episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. Many of us get financially stuck and can't seem to get unstuck. By taking baby steps and getting support, I was able to establish new, healthy financial habits. Fresh Start 2021 is a 28-day financial reset. I invite you to join us to clear out old money beliefs that are holding you back and create a new money mindset for financial success. Challenge your money worries and let's get financially fit in February. We're here to support you. Visit themoneynerve.com slash freshstart2021 and invite a healthier relationship with money into your life. Our next guest, Tanya Fox, uh, is an amazing woman uh, in her own right. She started her own accounting firm uh, in Ottawa, Ontario, which is Canada for some of you folks. Uh, later moved to Alberta, where she resparked her speaking career. Um, and showing people that understanding more about your business finance doesn't have to be something that you use to put you to sleep. Um, I use accounting books uh, when I want to go to sleep. Uh, Tanya and her husband also purchased a commercial bread franchise so that they could overuse their phrase, making all the dough. <laughs> uh, she also opened a retail craft supply store, leading her to the world of YouTube, where she continues to create videos, sharing her passion for crafting. So you can be a bookkeeper, a bread maker. And a candlestick maker, I guess. <laughs> um, she has her own podcast called Fox Talks Business, uh, which I was recently a guest on. And uh, I got to say, it was probably, I think she said it was the best episode ever. Um, not positive. That might be subjective, but that's where I'm going to go. Um, and she uh, speaks across Canada and the U.S., motivating business owners to share their stories, learn to embrace their failures, turning obstacles into opportunities, and discovered the beauty and wealth of collaborations. Her tagline is, have fun, because if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Tanya, so good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You delivered that tagline perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have fun. <laughs> well, let's have fun. Well, you got to be having some fun, or at least you're staying busy. You're making bread. You're making dough. Uh, you're doing crafts. You're doing videos. You've got a podcast. You've got all these businesses going on, and you're raising a family. So it is possible to do all of that. Um, is that what you, when you were five years old, you said, you know what, I want to own bread factories. I want to do, like, what were you thinking when you were five, six years old? Uh, no, not even close. <laughs> um, I come from a very government family. So my mom worked in the government and my father was in the military. So that's kind of what you did with your life. Um, and when I was young, um, my aspirations were not, uh, high, I guess, on the list of what people <laughs> considered. Um, I really wanted to be a cashier. Uh, that was my career goal. Um, why? So, <laughs> Tell us why. I got to know. Was the, it was the buttons. I loved like playing cashier. I had this little cash register that my mom had given me and I loved like making change and, you know, using the calculator. And so the accounting thing kind of does make sense in in that, you know, sort of 
avenue of how I continued on. But I, I just, I really liked it. I thought, you know, I'll get to see people and, you know, you know, when they came in with the scanners and you could just scan stuff like that was just amazing technology to me as a child. So, um, which has served me well, honestly, because my father always said, look, I mean, if everything goes wrong in your life and you have to like get a job at Walmart or a grocery store to be a cashier, you're still living the dream. I was like, yeah, you know, it's all how you look at it. So, yeah, that I being an entrepreneur was never in my line of sight. You know, most yeah. of my, I would say, most growing up until I hit about teenager years. Okay. And do you remember? And I'm going to take my glasses off real quick. So let me do my. There we go. Um, when. Um, when you were growing up, do you remember your parents having specific comments around money or did they talk about money? And is there anything that you remember that now you're actually saying to your son? Yeah, like my mom was always very good at helping us. Like when it came time, we always had an allowance. We had to make sure for, you know, when it was younger, it was always you get money if you do a job well and to not expect just getting something for the sake of getting it. So that was something I always remember and something I've passed on to my to my son. Because my mom was always, I'm not paying you just to live like just to breathe in the house, you know, well, you don't, you fair. don't get that. <laughs> and so we, you know, she sort of gave us freedom that she gave us the money and, and would sit down with us. And, you know, I'd say, Oh, I want to buy this toy. And she would say, okay, well, I thought you were saving, you know, for this bigger item that you wanted. Um, so I really, she really taught me almost by, by fire. Um, because of course the impulse buy, I would do the impulse buy and then yeah. I would be like, Oh, but I really wanted that other thing. And she'd be like, well, you made the decision to spend that money. So, um, and then as I got older, um, I started realizing that there was some things that she was doing for me that I didn't realize. So we had, um, Canadian savings bonds, which you could buy and, and here. And so she bought a bunch of them and put them in my name. And I always will remember, um, researching that because the bonds were put in my name, legally, I had rights to them. They, they right. were mine. She couldn't hold them from me. So I presented her with this, that she had no right to hold them anymore. <laughs> and she gave them to me and I blew them. I, I can't even tell you what I, what I spent them on. I don't, mm-hmm. Maybe a pair of jeans. I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I blew it all, all of the money that she had saved for me. And, but at the time it, it seemed like it was really good. And, and so I, I remember when I got older saying to her, like, why did you do that? Like, why did you allow, why didn't you just say, no, I'm not giving them to you. I don't care. And it wasn't until I was in my twenties that she said, but look how you handle money now. Like, and so that was a really hard lesson for me because I realized once I started going to college that I had made that mistake. So now I had to figure out how I was going to get financing because she said, you spent all the money. Like that was a choice that you made. And so I think it always triggers when I'm going to spend money now. I always go, oh, hang on a second. Is this actually what I want to do? And how is this going to hurt me going forward? Um, now, I wish I would have been smarter younger and not ha- had to have learned that lesson so hard. But right. I like learning things the hard way. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Still to this day. Well, you know what I love about that story? And I and for me, this is really important to reiterate, is the fact that there was conscious parenting going on. 
um, that there was an intention that your mom was setting um, and wasn't just expecting you to learn it through osmosis or mind reading, but she actually sat down and showed you cause and effect. And she let you make some mistakes. And it sounds like she didn't shame you day in and day out after you made a couple of stumbles. Um, and, and so I think that's so important. And are you having those kinds of conversations with your son? Yeah, I am. And I think what I'm doing is the same thing that she was, is I'm allowing him to sort of make those mistakes, but doing the same thing that she did. And it's exactly what you said. There was no shame put there. Um, she, is, she was always very matter of fact. So when I would come back and say, you know, why did you let me do this? Why would you let me make this mistake? Like I could have been so better. I could have been better off. I wouldn't have had, a, you know, all of this school debt. And she said, well, I mean, you presented me with this stuff and you made a decision like... What do you want me to do? You know, she would never get upset or yell back at me. Right. And was, you can't argue with someone who's not not willing to argue with you. But I think right. that, you know, I try to instill that in my son is you're going to make mistakes with money. Like it's just, it's going to happen. Don't think it's not going to. But I always try to at least have that conversation with him to sit down and say, are you sure this is the decision that you want to make? And here is why. Um, because these are the things I'm looking into the future for. And that's what my mom did for me. I don't really think you should spend these savings bonds and here's why. You might decide you want to go to college or you might decide that you want to buy a vehicle or that you move out on your own. And that's how this money could be used. So although I did nothing of what her great advice was at the time, um, it did always stick with me. And now as I got older, in hindsight, of course, I take I did take all of that to heart, even though I was young and impulsive and just, you know, wanted the shiny thing then. <laughs> yeah, as we all do as kids. Do you, um, does your son have a piggy bank and is it clear? Uh, it's not clear. Um, because he doesn't like watch it. He doesn't like to know what is in there. So we did try the clear one. Um, but okay. for him, he felt like he would see the money in there and he'd be like, oh, I have money. So then he'd want to spend it. So <laughs> it's sitting on the shelf, but it, it has like 10 bucks in it. Like, um, so he has about six piggy banks. Um, okay. so he has like one piggy bank that he just uses. That's his like spending cash. He'll just, he'll dig into it whenever he wants to go like get a chocolate bar or something from the store. Um, and then he has one that he's saving for something special. So right now it's for, you know, he's 14. So right now he's saving for a, a PlayStation. And, you know, so he has different piggy banks that he puts money in for different things. Um, mm -hmm. And every now and then I hear him shaking them out, <laughs> counting them. <laughs> so not too sure how well he's doing, but, you know, um, that is something that, you know, he kind of set up by by himself. So it's great to see him sort of managing it that way. But yeah. every now and then you hear that the big one that he's saving for something big, you hear that shaking and you go, are you sure you want to do that? And he's like, just leave me. I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's awesome. So he's got his little herd of piggy banks that he's, uh, that he's raising. Um, how do you, um, just for yourself, knowing that you're doing these different things and you've got all these businesses going, um, how do you define success? Really, it comes back to that tagline for me. Uh, you know, when I first started in business, my idea of success was making millions. Like, right, I wanted to be a millionaire and think of nothing. And and I think over the years, my my perspective on that has really changed to, am I doing something, am I getting up every day and doing something that makes me happy? 
Am I doing something that I enjoy? And so really my idea of success is I'm still able to put a roof over the head. That's important. I want to be <laughs> able to, you know, have a bill come in, you know, a bill arrive at the door and be able to go and pay that bill. Um, so my idea of, um, you know, financial success really has changed over the years that I want to not have to worry um, about money, but not necessarily, you know, yes, I still think it would be nice to, you know, make millions and not have to worry about it. But that's not my, my main goal is just, am I setting myself up so I don't have that constant worry? Because I've been there before. I've been mm -hmm. in this situation where I didn't know how I was going to put food on the table or pay the bills. And I had the collection calls and all of that other stuff. So after mm -hmm. going through that, now I find I just don't want to have to deal with those phone calls again. <laughs> yeah, it's a good... Get your stuff in order and then you don't have the phone calls. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, now, when you met your husband and you decided he was the one, uh, did you do a background check? Did you get his credit score? Did you know his financial situation? And did any of that play a factor in the relationship? Uh, no. Didn't know a thing. <laughs> Didn't... <laughs> Didn't even ask. Um, now, could have been a serial killer. <laughs> totally could have been. I don't know. Um, so, I'll give a little background because this might go a little bit off, but it's a funny story. So, my husband and I met online, okay. um, you know, internet dating. And about two months in, he lived about, <clears throat> excuse me, he lived about a 20 minute drive away, I would say. Yeah. And so I was constantly driving to his house and then driving back home to shower and get ready for work and stuff. And one day I had said to him, you know, this is getting really hard. Maybe we can just see each other on the weekend. It's just too much for me in the morning. And so he said, yeah, no, I understand that. And then the next day he said, you know, you should just move in. And so I thought, this will tell you how pigheaded I am. I thought, I'm going to call his bluff. So I packed a couple of boxes and I arrived at his house, you know, that weekend. And I said, oh, I got some boxes in the car. I'm so excited to move in together. And he was like, oh, great. And he went out to the car and he grabbed the boxes and brought them in. And I thought, oh my God, like I've only been dating this guy for a couple. Like, what, like, what have I done now? What have I done? <laughs> so needless to say, I ended up moving in with him. It was not until our honeymoon that we both admitted to each other, we were trying to call each other's bluff. That's how it happened. So, <laughs> you, we so were, now with a kid, you're still calling each other's bluffs. <laughs> now, now we're just like, who's going to stick into this the longest? Like, so we never had those convert, you know, those important conversations that I think had had we have not been so pigheaded with each other um, yeah. that we probably would have had. But the one conversation we did had is, how do we want to deal with our money? Like, do you, because. Um, my parents had divorced. And so when my stepdad came into the picture, um, my mom and my stepdad had different bank accounts. They still shared money, but um, but they did have some of their things that were separate. And so we had that conversation of how do we want to manage our money? Is it going to go into one big pot together? Are we going to separate it? Is your money my money? Um, so that was a a tricky conversation, but I think an important one to have. Um, it should have went farther though, because my pot was bigger than his pot. <laughs> and I didn't know that. So lesson learned, we're good now, but... Um, yeah. But I think that that's a, a conversation that, that, you know, a lot of people find are, is really hard to have, but probably one I, I should have had. Yeah. And do you have regular money conversations now? Um 
and how do and how do you work out your differences? Yeah, we absolutely do. And reason being is because for a while, because CI had that accounting background, so he just kind of went, well, she's really good with money. So, so I dealt with her. it all. Yeah. So I was the one who was responsible for getting rid of the debt and it really weighed heavy. Um, and so it probably was, I would say about five or six years into the marriage that finally I said to him, I can't keep doing this. Like I can't keep being the one who's responsible for everything because I'm responsible not only for our personal stuff, but for all of the business stuff. And some of the decisions are starting to weigh very, very heavy on me. And so it was at that time we decided that once a week, we were going to sit down and have discussions over money. So whether that is our personal finances or the businesses to make those decisions together. So it wasn't all just on one person because that's hard. And then there was a lot of guilt that I was putting on myself because if, you know, one of the businesses was struggling or the bills got behind, there became, you know, those common pieces where I felt shameful. Like I do this for a living. How did I, you know, how did this bill go unpaid? You know, how are, how are we not making ends meet? And then it was snowballing and causing me to have anxiety, causing me, you know, so much more stress when if I would have just said, hey, look, I really need some help. So now once a week we sit down, we look at, okay, here's here's where our money situation is. Here's things that we're interested in, in um, saving for or things mm-hmm. that we want to do and really making those decisions together is is a lot a lot easier it takes a lot more stress off me i'm still like if anything ever happens to me don't get me wrong i don't know what this man is going to do cuz i don't even think <laughs> Like, you know, he does help me with the money decisions, but I'm the one who does all of the physical stuff, right? Like I go online and I pay the bills and kind of all that other stuff. So it's funny when we, you know, have to go to a meeting, like a financial meeting or something. And they were like, so how much is your mortgage? And he just looks at me. It's like... Talk to the woman. Yeah. It's like, he's always high though. He's like, I think it's like, it's like 13, 13, 1300 a month. Right. And I'm like, it's uh, 825, 67. (laughs) And he's like, oh, well I was close. (laughs) But I think the other part too, was really sitting down and having that good conversation with each other about where each of our money strengths were, because we really needed to understand and and i think that's that was an important conversation for us to have because i am like a saver i will not like i will hoard money um because i want to make sure that there's enough for everything whereas he was more of i'll spend and then if i need money i'll find a way to make it so right. we've learned sort of what our money language is and then we've learned how to complement each other. So he let, you know, I've realized that him wanting to spend the money or saying, you know, hey, like splurge, go out and buy yourself something like it's okay to get a coffee allowed allowed me to kind of relax a little bit. But really being honest about saying, you know, like he said, I'm not good about paying bills on time. So that should not be a duty that's left to me because they'll be late. I just don't think of it. Um, And it was really having those honest conversations of saying this this is what I'm really good at this is what I'm not good at and hopefully you know what you're not good at is what the other person is good at <laughs> exactly not too much uh miss space right um, what one of the things that you keep saying and I I want to re-emphasize this is that you have conversations yes most people think of money talks as conflict and arguments and 
like, so I just think it's really, um, I just really want to highlight the fact that you said I was feeling frustrated. I was taking all this on and I needed to be honest because you probably weren't having fun, which is one of your tags. Yes. Have fun. And, and being able to actually say, Hey, we got to do something different rather than hiding the resentment, uh, uh, just trying to figure it out and then have things blow up. You actually sat down and had probably maybe initially an uncomfortable conversation, but a conversation nevertheless. Yeah. And the first conversation was, I mean, it was an all in all out brawl because I was at my limit and I waited until <laughs> I got at my limit. Um, but it was really also, I think, sitting down and realizing that a lot of the stuff that I was feeling was self-inflicted. So, yeah. and I think this just goes back generally to having a relationship with someone is that in I wasn't asking for help, I was accusing. So I was saying, right. you make me feel. Well, he wasn't making me feel that. I was, I was you know, adding all of these assumptions. So I had to really turn that around and go, I am making myself stressed because I am feeling that, you know, all of this stuff is on me. I need you to do this. I need you to help me with the bills. I need you to sit down. I need to be able to ask you questions. So I needed to tell him what, I, these are what my needs are. Um, because he was, Honestly, assuming everything was fine. <laughs> right. Because he's like, I'm a guy. That was the conversation. I'm a guy. If you don't say I need help, I assume you're good. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> it's no different when he comes in and he goes, how you doing? I'm fine. Great. She's fine. Like, he takes it good. at face value. So it was right. really, you know, I had to sit down first and go, okay, what do I need from him? And then to then approach him and say, this is what I feel, you know, I need help with. Are you willing, you know, is that something that's in your capacity to do? Or can we talk about other ways that we can deal with that? Um, and, you know, looking back, I wish I would have had those conversations sooner before I got to my breaking point, because I think right. it would have been easier um, on the relationship for sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, what would you say is your... Um, in the relationship with money, what is your biggest challenge or fear or roadblock around abundance, having the life you want? I would probably say, you know, really it's going back to the days, like I had said, of, of not having enough where um, we were paying out, we were living a life that we couldn't afford. Right. Um, and, that was a hard that was a hard ego hit to take mm. because i kept we both kept thinking we needed you know we needed to live in a certain neighborhood right. we needed to drive a certain car we needed to you know because we wanted to be pillars in our community we wanted to look right. successful and then i realized you know, it was sitting down and sort of knocking my own ego and saying, you don't need any of that stuff. You need to put right. food on your table. You need to be healthy. You need to, you know, so my needs were wants. And I had to really sit down and decide what actually is a want and, and what is a yeah. need. And I still suffer with that today because there are some things that I will look at and go, oh, our furniture is really old. Maybe we need to change that. And right. then I go, 
is it though? (laughs) Like there's really nothing wrong with it. Um, So it's really making those, you know, sitting down and even having those conversations, you know, with my, with myself of saying, is this something that truly is a need um, for our family or even for myself personally, or is this something I just want? Because it's yeah. nice or it's pretty or, you know, am I just making a reason for it? So do I really need a new vehicle or am I just doing it because I want something shiny? Yeah. And so often those, uh, my my experience is that so often it's our ego that's talking when we need the shiny object, when we need the bigger house. And it's not really coming from a place of uh, authenticity of what's in alignment with what we want, but it's more about, oh, this will make me look cool or, oh, this will, this will complete my life. Um, and, and the flashy fun stuff. So, um, when did you have that aha moment? Like where you said, you know what? Something's got to change. Like, cause I, I know it doesn't just, you don't wake up without having some experiences and then go, oh, I need to change. Like things have to happen. And then we go, wait a minute. Aha. I need to do something different. I need to per- personally make a change. It was when we had um, the all four businesses going at once um, mm-hmm. and everybody kept, uh, would always say, you know, oh, it must be so great to be you guys. You're so successful. You have all of these businesses running. Like, it must be so wonderful. Like, how lucky are you? Um, yeah. Meanwhile, I was going home and crying because I didn't feel like I was, I had any time with my son. I wasn't seeing my husband. Um, you know, when we had the, uh, we had, so I had the bookkeeping company, which I've had for over 23 years. We were running our Taekwondo studio, which was my husband's baby. We had the bread franchise, which was being run during the day. And then I was, preparing to open the craft store. And so all of these things were going in place, but I never got to see him. He would leave at six in the morning and he wouldn't get back until 10 at night. Um, so although everybody kept saying, you know, how lucky I was and how fortunate I was, I was sitting there just absolutely miserable. And although on paper, it looked like we made a lot of money, um, the reality was there was almost the equivalent amount going out. So when I really sat down and, and, you know, talked to the, like sat down with my accountant and said, tell me what you see, because I know what I see. I want to know what you see. Um, and got the numbers and then looked at the numbers versus my time. And then I realized I was working so hard to make all of this money to have time and I had no time. Right. And I realized that I was looking at this completely and utterly backwards and that something needed to give because it was either that or I was going to break. And so I realized that too many times I was looking at what everything looked like on paper. On paper, I look super successful. And on paper, my net worth is fantastic. But in reality, my happiness with all everything and, and my time around everything was not there. So things weren't jiving together. And I had to make some really tough decisions to close some businesses. And that was really hard to make because of course, again, like we said, the ego gets in the way. What are people going to (laughs) think? What are they going to think? They're going to think that, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I bankrupted the business. That's going to be the first thing they think, right? <laughs> I have to hang on this, hang on to this until the bitter end. Um, right. So that really was the breaking point of just being exhausted and going and and thinking that what people are perceiving is my life is not my life, and yeah. I want that perception. How do I go about getting that? Yeah, no, I think that's so important. And I think one of the things you talked about, how it looks on paper. And, you know, we look at our net worth, but we don't look at our self-worth. Um, you know, we're looking at uh, our savings account, but we're not looking at uh, the happiness. We're not looking at uh, where are we, like, disappointed or not an integrity or, like, and all of that plays a factor, but it's not in the numbers. Yeah. And that was, that was just it. I, you know, you're constantly told, what is your ROI? What is your ROI when you're doing this? And then I sat down and I went, okay, I get that I'm so concentrated on what my return on investment is, but what's my return of happiness? Right. And that was the biggest thing for me is my return of happiness. Is that worth it for me? And then that was easier to make some decisions because I really was deciding, you know, um, is this actually what I want to do? And then realizing right. that there was some breakup of relationships that needed to happen in letting go of some businesses, coming to terms with time, with family, and what we really wanted to that to look like. And I think now we sit down more often and say, is this where we want to be? You know, are we in a happy place right now? Are we spending a much time together? And knowing that this is going to be something that constantly changes because like, you know, two years ago, three years ago, I wanted to spend more time with my family. Now my son is 14. He could care whether I exist. So I have more time. So I take on different projects. So I think it's something that constantly changes as you, as you, as you grow, you know, as you just get older and your life changes, then you need to look at what you're doing and saying, is, am I still happy with this? No, I think that's so important. I'm sort of laughing because, you know, I know people will say, I want to spend time with my family. Have you gotten to know my family? (laughs) Maybe you don't. (laughs) Well, that was the thing of asking them, right? Because the other thing I did too, is I did the common thing that I think you know, I'll just speak for women, but that, you know, that women do is going, you know, oh my gosh, I'm not spending enough time with my family. I'm not spending enough time with my husband. And then I went, why don't I ask them? Oh, check it out. Right. So I actually sat down and said, do you feel you don't get enough time with me? And I realized they're good. Like, and it wasn't, I didn't take an insult to, of course, my husband is, you know, we're all about, he's all about having fun too. Let me tell you. So he was right. like, no, actually, I think I see too much of you. You know, <laughs> yeah. but, Scale it back. <laughs> but it was important for me to put it in perspective of going, do yeah. they actually need that? Or am I telling them that's what they need? So it was really right. asking that question. Do you need more of me? And if they did going, okay, great. Then why am I worried about that? Why am I paranoid? Why am I trying to make that happen? No, I think that's, that's so important to check out the assumptions because we make so many yeah, and then we don't check it out. And we're working off of a story that everybody else is like, what book are they reading? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I 
don't want to see more of you. What are you talking about? Right. And I think it's also good because it helps you to gauge, you know, those people that you think maybe you're doing it backwards. You know, maybe your husband is, is thinking, no, I think like, I feel like we're really good, but your mom is like, God, I miss you. I never get to see you, but we assume that they're fine. So I think it's okay to ask that question. And I think we also have to be honest if we feel we're not getting that time. Don't wait to be asked. Go and say to that person, hey, I miss you. I'd like to spend more time with you. How can we do that? Yeah, that's so awesome. How often do you check in to see if you're happy with things? Like, is it a daily practice? Is it once a month? Like, it's once a month for sure. Um, I <laughs> will usually sit down over the the weekend and we sort of take a weekend off. So the whole family yeah. sort of sits down and, you know, sometimes it lasts the whole weekend and sometimes it's really short lived, right? They know it's coming <laughs> up in the sun, you know, yeah, I'm good. Everything's good. This is what I'm, you know, working on. This is what I'm going for. Um, and I am conscious, but... I am conscious daily of sort of saying, you know, am I on the right track? Is this what I want to do? But I think you do have to look over a little bit of a longer period because there are times where things get hectic. Um, You know, right now we're in the middle of doing some renovations. So everybody's out and all over the place. So I like to take a larger look too to go, you know, maybe today I wasn't happy, but overall, you know, this month, am I heading in the right direction? Um, And sometimes it's a short conversation and sometimes it's a really long one, especially when I know something is changing or we're moving in a different direction or if there's a business that's going under or something happens like a pandemic and then everything gets thrown up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't in the budget. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that, um, again, I want to reiterate that, that you've talked about, and I know with my own clients and probably me at one time was, oh, if I learn all this stuff about my money and I get it all handled, I never have to look at it again. And the, the truth of the matter is the good news, the bad news is, uh, this is a relationship that we have until our last breath that we have to keep, um, recalibrating, checking in, adjusting. And, and, and we don't just get to be like, Oh, it all balanced. I'm done. I'm never going to look at this again. Yeah. And that's something I still do. Like I still, still to this day, save every single receipt. And then I sit down and once a month I go through my receipts and I go, okay, what are we spending on food? Am I accurate with my budget? Am I spending what we want? Are we going out more? You know, are we starting to be interested in, you know, in different things that I need to budget extra for? Um, and, And those kind of things. And it's shocking sometimes because you look and go, oh no, we spend about What's the common $500 a month on groceries? And then you're like, really add those bills up. You know, you got a teenager in the house who has a gross spurt. And I was like, okay, we're at 800 now. So we're going to need to, you know, move some stuff around. But um, so that's something that I constantly do to make sure, am I still accurate? Because we get this idea in our head. Oh, this is how much we spend, right? And if you're, if you ever go, oh, that's not me, stand like, Walmart is probably the best place. Just stand near customer service and watch the cash registers and Uh. look at people's face when they are told the total. Because you'll see that second where they go, uh, 
okay. Because they're like, I came in for milk and it's $475. Like, they're like, hope this goes through. <laughs> yeah. And then they and there's a lot the of that. <laughs> a lot let's of pray, let's hope. So I think it is important. And I think you have to understand that, you know, a budget is something that's going to constantly change because your life constantly changes and that's okay. Uh, we have yeah. different budgets almost for every season. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. Um, we have budgets for almost every different season because in the summer we're campers. So we have a different budget because of course we have that added expense that comes on. So, you know, I look at it seasonally for myself because we do different things depending on if it's winter or summer or whatever the case may be. So my budget is something that is a living document. It's constantly going to change and that's okay to constantly right. do that. You know, um, I think that that's, that that's important to realize that you don't have to just make it and then be like, this is it. This is what I'm living forever. It can't change. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta be fluid. It definitely has to be fluid. Um, yeah. I, I just think that's so important. Um, and yes, I wish that we could all just wrap it up and be done and never look <laughs> at it again, but, uh, yeah, life changes and our money, I mean, we make so many financial decisions every day. Do I bring my lunch? Do I go out for lunch? Do I um do I buy those extra uh things that I don't really need? Like it's um do I need to replace my clothes, you know? Um it's it's just a constant and we're constantly making decisions. How do we split the check when we go to a restaurant? Um so that's it's great because I know a lot of people tell me budgeting is restrictive and looking at all that stuff is painful. And to me, looking at a budget and all those things is knowledge. It's information. It helps me inform my decision-making. Um, and, and so there's a lot of power in knowing where we are, even if it's not where we want to be. Yeah. And I think like we always sit down to like even with our son and we'll look at the end of the month and go, okay, this is what we budgeted. This is what we actually spent. And, you know, we always obviously hope there's extra. Um, <laughs> but we make him a part of that decision when there is that extra right. money that we were like, hey, guys, we did amazing, you know, on our food shopping or we didn't go out as much. That was the great one. We saved so much money on going out that we were like, hey, our eating out or our going to the movies, we've saved on that. Now, what are we going to do with this extra money? And he's part of that decision. Do we want to save for a trip? Uh, you know, do we want to, you know, go on an adventure when, you know, when we can? Yeah. What are we going to do with that? And so it almost becomes something that is exciting for everybody in the family because they want to hit that point where we have extra money and then, ooh, it's my turn this month. So it's, it's interesting to see whenever it's somebody's month that they get to make the decision, boy, they save. Like, <laughs> When it's my stop spending money, stop yeah. spending money, mom and dad. <laughs> when it when my husband's time rolls around, he's like, ooh, you know, like he is not getting coffee. He's he's bringing his own lunches. Like he's like, yeah. you know. So it, it's it's a fun little game, you know that that we play that doesn't cost a lot, but I think it really helps to secure those ideas of that. You sit yeah. down and go, you know, why am I not doing this every time? Yeah. Why am I not doing this when it's someone else's turn? Um, you know, yeah. how can I do it to, to make it better? So we try to play, you know, those little games because it is. I mean, it's numbers. It's not like you sit down and you're like, this is amazing. Like, get right. the champagne out. We're budgeting. You know, yeah. most people are like, get the tequila. I got to figure out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got to figure out if we're this eating. Conversation. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, that's good. I like it. Corporate dividends. Um, nice payouts. Um, all right. Well, we are now at the point where I've got, I have 
five questions that I'm going to ask you. Um, fast five. Um, and uh, just off the top of your head, okay. um, first one will make it easy. Uh, what's your favorite color? Purple. All right. Last impulsive buy. Ooh. Uh, oh, a Black Forest uh, cake <laughs> at the grocery <laughs> store. I was like, ooh, I want chocolate. Was not in the budget. <laughs> um, are you happy with your current savings plan? Yes. Moderately. <laughs> okay. uh, favorite indulgence? Oh, I would say like something at the spa. So like a pedicure or a massage. That's usually if I'm going to treat myself, that's what I'll go for. And this month, are you having fun? Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Sometimes it's laughing at other people, but it's still fun. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so um, we have our little M&M moment, our little sweet, sweet spot of... Um, if you have a piece of advice, um, besides making sure you're happy, um, a, a piece of advice, financial advice, or a piece of wealth wisdom um, that you'd like to share with our listeners to just give them a little little tool or something to think about. I would say the most important thing is do never to be ashamed to ask the question or to say, I don't understand. Um, that is so important that I think there's so much stigmatism around, you know, going to someone, going to your accountant or your bookkeeper and saying, I don't understand these forms or I don't understand where I'm sitting. Ask those questions or Google them. Like be curious about what every line means because that's important. And the only way you're going to get better is if you gain more knowledge. And the only way you gain more knowledge is asking a question. And there's no dumb question except for one that you don't ask. That's my philosophy. You know what? That is so awesome. I love that. Um, I used to go to continuing education courses, and I, I know I've shared this before. And all these people are talking so highbrow and using all these big words. And I know nobody around me knows what they're talking about. But and I'm always <laughs> you like, do this. Oh, mm. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah, yes. totally, absolutely. Testify. I do that twice. <laughs> yeah. And I'm always like, I'm a dumb hick from Tennessee. <laughs> like, I don't know. Tell me, explain it. And people are like, thank you, thank you, thank you, because. No, like I have no shame in asking the questions because I don't know. Yeah. And I think it's important. I think most people that are in the financial industry, if you don't ask, they don't tell because they right. also don't want to assume that, you know, that you don't know. So I think it's important for you to ask no matter what it is, whether it's on your mortgage or whether, you know, it's on an investment or whatever, just ask the questions. There's so many forums out there now that people are willing to offer advice. So instead of just going in blind, ask. Someone else wants to know, like you said, I guarantee it. There's someone else who's like, oh, thank God. I didn't know. <laughs> no, it's so right. Or even if you want to say, honey, do you need to spend more time with me? Yes. Ask that <laughs> question. Like, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Be prepared for the answer, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially with teenagers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not always a guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Um, where can people find you on social media? Um, so yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, just look up Fox Talks Business. Um, and you can find me on all the avenues there. 
Well, we will definitely post all that. Uh, make sure that we uh, send people your way. Um, I want to say to our listeners, please don't forget to share the love. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. You can listen as, and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player or visit podchaser.com backslash money you should ask. If you prefer to watch our episodes, head over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel for more financial tools, virtual workshops, or to simply understand more about your money nerve, visit themoneynerve.com. Tanya, this has been so much fun. I so appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit of your life with us and, and helping our listeners gain some understanding about their own financial choices. Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. My cheeks are sore from smiling so much. So thank you. <laughs> well, I had fun. 